Hi, I'm Mason, and this is Cara, and we're the hosts of Expert Secrets Revealed Conversations in Health and Fitness, also known as the ESR Show, sponsored by Syntrax Nutrition. And it's a show built around exceptional people and ideas that are designed to educate, entertain, and inspire. And today's guest is Joyce Martyr, and we're very, very excited to have her on. She is a licensed psychotherapist uh -huh. with over 20 years of experience, and she's an expert in mindfulness and emotional intelligence. She's an expert that's been featured as a keynote speaker all over the world. Yeah. She has also written a book. She's got a new book out called The Financial Mindset Fix, a mental fitness program for an abundant life. Mm -hmm. And she's also been an expert featured in the Wall Street Journal, CNN, and MTV. Yeah. Joyce, thanks so much for joining us. We're glad to have you. Thanks, Joyce. Thanks so much for having me. I'm honored and excited to be here. Absolutely. So Joyce, you are an expert in relationships and self-esteem and life transitions. And you've talked a little bit about silencing your inner critic. Tell us a little bit about that and why that's so important for people. Well, as I've been practicing as a therapist for 25 years, I see that we all have an inner critic. We all have that voice in our head that comes maybe from our parents or past relationships, cultural or religious beliefs past experiences, and it puts us down. We have that negative self-talk. And in therapy, our thoughts precede our emotions and behaviors. So if we have that inner saboteur, it's going to impact our lives negatively through self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's important to get a handle on that voice. That's very true. And we can all touch base with that. Now, do you have any tips for us on that? And how to handle yes, that. and this uh -huh. might sound kind of surprising, but I suggest naming your inner saboteur. I've named mine Zelda. She's a total pain in the ass. <laughs> when, we, when we name our inner saboteur, we can become mindful of how negative that aspect of self is. And so naming your inner critic, even imagining what they might look like and noticing when those negative thoughts creep up gives you the ability to kind of separate from them, realize what a destructive force it is, and instead choose to turn the volume down. We have the choice. We can either be our worst critic, our own best friend, loving parent, and compassionate advocate. Do you have any other self-care tools or strategies that you think would be helpful to folks? And could you tell us why you think some of them may be so important? Yes. And again, this sounds very simple, but to prioritize your self-care and wellness. Right now, so many of us are dealing with overwhelm and burnout and overwork, and often we leave our self-care to last. We take care of our responsibilities at work and at home, and we neglect ourselves. So just like we need to prioritize our workouts, we need to prioritize other forms of self-care as well whether it's meditation or time for your hobbies or time for solitude, and get that in your schedule. Self-care is not selfish. It's essential. Think of the oxygen mask analogy on an airplane. You have to take care of yourself first, or you're going to be exhausted and depleted and not helpful to anybody. Absolutely. And, you know, currently our world is going through this mental crisis with the pandemic. And and you had mentioned that you call this a pandemic-induced mental and emotional funk. Tell us, what do we do about that? What does everybody do about that? 
Yes, we were already in a mental health epidemic prior to the pandemic, and it's added fuel to the fire. And many of us are dealing with depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, increased substance abuse, etc. So this is a real call to action that we need to increase our self-care and also increase our support. So obviously, I'm a therapist. I'm a huge proponent of destigmatizing mental health issues. I believe we all have mental health issues as part of the human condition, no shame, no stigma. So talking to a professional therapist or counselor is like having a personal trainer for your mind or your relationships. Certainly does not mean you're crazy. And it's covered by insurance and now it's available through telehealth. So very, very convenient but making sure that you're getting the support that you need and deserve, that you're asking friends and family for the kind of support you need. When I give national corporate trainings across the country, I give polls. And every single time the, the attendees say that the kind of the support that they need more of is emotional support. So we need to learn how to be better at giving that to our loved ones and also asking for it when we need it. And I think the key to that is, be, is empathy and being an empathic listener. Absolutely. Could, could you share some highlights from perhaps some case studies and any teachable moments that you think might stand out or be very helpful to the people in our audience? Yeah. I have loved being a therapist. I find my work emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually rewarding. And it's such a deep and profound honor to get to know my clients so intimately. And I love mirroring back to them all that is beautiful and amazing and wonderful about them and helping them align their, their unique gifts with a need in the, in the world and helping them get that inner critic to step aside and empowering them to grow and really expand their work per personally and professionally. So my case examples, I, I have one really special client that I talk about in my book named Suma. And Suma had dealt with a lot of trauma in her life. She dealt with domestic violence in her family of origin and was in an abusive marriage. And we did a lot of work on her trauma history and on her feelings of worth and deservingness and silencing her inner critic and learning how to practice self-compassion, how to honor her feelings and her emotions and everything that she'd been through. She had kind of disconnected, which is a normal trauma symptom. It's a survival mode. But in order to get her to kind of reawaken and rebirth her life, she needed to reconnect with her authentic self. And that allowed her to make courageous changes in her life. She actually made the, the brave decision to get divorced. And as a Muslim American woman, that was a big, big decision. And she also went back to school, started her own business. So therapy is not just about healing the past, but it's also about becoming your best self and living your greatest life. Absolutely. And you know, when we think of, when we think of health, we think of a lot of times just diet and exercise, but really, you know, the mental side of it, the mental health is so important. And a lot of people, I don't, you know, don't put that in the same category sometimes. Do you, do you find that? Absolutely. We all know that physical health is important and sleep, exercise and, and rest is important, nutrition. 
But mental health, unfortunately, has had stigma. And oftentimes we think about mental illness rather than mental health. And again, I really like to reframe that because we all have mental health as part of the human condition. We are all, all biochemically predispositioned to respond to stress with either anxiety, stress, depression, or addiction. And so we need to learn mental health tools and practices to cultivate positive mental health and wellness. So I believe in the mind-body-spirit connection, and I believe that our psychological health, our spiritual health, and our physical health are all very much related, and we really need to tend to all three to be holistically successful. Absolutely. I always say that everybody should have a life coach. Everybody. You know, and there is a stigma to that, especially I think in, in just to be completely honest here, when, you know, it, some people who are from small towns or live in small towns, they don't believe in that. And they think, whoa, you know, if, if somebody finds out that I see a therapist, they're going to think we're all crazy. But crazy, crazy is a very strong word to use. And therapists even say, don't use that word. That is not at all what you, you know, think it is. They're like, we've seen crazy. That's not crazy. And it's just a normal, it's just a normal way of life. It's a normal part of life. And everybody has those ups and downs and they need that. Mental health is so important. It doesn't mean you're, you're, you know, off your rock or I think it's just every, right? It's just. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. When I was at graduate school in at Northwestern, I was really afraid that my professors would see that I deal with an anxiety disorder. And that they'd say, you can't be a therapist, you have issues. But guess what? We all have issues. And if there's any blessing of being a therapist for 25 years, I know we all have our problems. Sometimes we look at people's social media feeds. We think everybody else has their lives together. We compare our insides to other people's outsides. But we all struggle in different ways. And it's not about being crazy. And we absolutely need to remove the shame and stigma of those negative terms. People have been through trauma. They've been through challenges. Depression and anxiety have biochemical genetic components and help is available and effective. Just like, you know, you wouldn't, if your cardiologist said that you needed to take medication, you wouldn't argue with that. Yet there's such stigma about mental health medications that can be life-changing and life-saving. Absolutely. So the more we can tell people that, the more helpful it is for others. Right now, you mentioned something about social media. That is a huge deal. And truly, I believe that is a big deal in mental health. You talked about it a little bit. You hit on that. Everybody, they only post the great side of things, right? Okay, that's great, right? But you know, half of them, their their lives or families are in shambles a little bit, especially when you go through this whole, you know, COVID pandemic. And there's just, there's a lot, people losing their jobs, going through, you know, just a lot of family ordeals. And, um, and, and that's very sad, but, but that can have a huge impact, just social media. What, what do you talk about with your clients with that? Or I'm sure that you do. I mean, is it something that you say, okay, get off of social media for a while? Or how do you handle that? Well, it's a case by case basis. I mean, I do think sometimes people need to take a social media cleanse and that's helpful some people can develop addictive and compulsive behaviors with social media. So it's really, it's really especially important for them to take a look at that and take a break from social media. And then again, a lot of it is 
perception. We need to recognize when our inner critic creeps up, when we see people who we think are in better shape or they have nicer possessions or whatever it is, we get focused on the externals and then we start to feel inadequate and that can fuel depression. And so that's when we need to be mindful that we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg and we don't know these people's struggles and we don't know what filters they're using or anything else to make themselves look better. So it's all about perspective and coaching yourself through it and just healthy moderation. Right. What do you, what do you consider some of the signs that self-care is needed and how should, how can, or should people recognize them? Yeah. So I gave a presentation today for a bunch of city leaders in the Chicagoland area, and I asked them this question. It's one of my favorite. If you were a cell phone, what would your battery be charged at right now? So we each need to think about that throughout the course of a day. We're not like cell phones. We don't get the red bar alert when we have low power. So we need to pay attention to our self-care So if we are getting exhausted and depleted, then we need to have practices that we do or relationships that we have that refill our battery or recharge ourselves. And so it's a daily practice. We need to be mindful of when we're getting depleted and implement that self-care. When you're with your clients, have you, and I ask therapists this sometimes, you know, when when we're interviewing them, is there anything, what, what is one thing you can think about that you've learned from your clients? New, I have learned something new. so much about my, from my clients. It's, it's something I did not expect when I became a therapist that it's such high honor to reap the wisdom of all of their life experiences. And perhaps one of the most unexpected things that I learned was as they made progress in therapy, and it didn't matter what their presenting issue was, they started to earn more money. They started to get raises and promotions and start their own businesses. And I was like, why the heck is this happening? And it was because in therapy, we're always working on their underlying self-worth and self-esteem. And as they felt better about themselves, they put themselves out in the world with more confidence, assertiveness, and healthy negotiation. And that had a financial return. And that's what led me to write my book, the financial mindset fix, because I came, became really interested in the psychology of money. Nice. Nice. You know, I think about that too. And I think about, um, nutrition for me. So I go through these different, you know, CrossFit and then something else. And I, you know, I switch it up and I always think, oh my gosh, now if I don't have something in my body all the time, I deflate, I don't feel well, and then I'm not motivated to go on. It's this mental game. And a lot of that for me deals with the nutritional side of things, right? And yes. I know you're not a dietitian or anything, but but it's so important what you do because that you know that that's a big part of that. And I think that has a lot to do with the mental health as well. What do you think about that? There have been so many studies that talk about the mood-gut connection and that the Mediterranean diet especially is great for depression and anxiety. I love the work of Dr. Drew Ramsey. He writes a book, Eat to to Beat Depression and Anxiety. And yes, our nutrition impacts everything. We are systems, we're complicated systems as human beings. And 
one part affects all the others. So if we're not eating properly, that's going to affect our physical health, our mental health, even our performance at work. And if our mental health isn't cared for, we're not maybe going to be motivated to take care of our physical health. So everything's interrelated and it's important to have a holistic approach. Absolutely. And we have something too. It's um, it's called PHMP and it's a supplemental insurance uh, type thing. And I'd never heard of that before, but you get that DNA ses- testing. And I know that you've talked about that before. It's a, pre- it's a genetic testing that uh, shows you what you're predispositioned for, basically, right? Genetically. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. And I would recommend that to anybody to do, right? Like, because that tells you when you, and I know you just touched on that, but I did this not too long ago and it just told me basically, you know, um, genetically what I needed to take more of, you know, the vitamins or, or athletically, what should I do more of, um, to like hit training or whatever, to get me to the level that I need to be at my age. I mean, it's so good. And it's so, it, it even said so far as, you know, caffeine, if I drink one cup of caffeine of coffee, um, it's like having two. So I, have you done that before? Have you done one of those tests before? Yes, I, I have. Um, I have not personally, uh-huh. but I think that's a wonderful resource to have available to people. And I have deep respect for that. And in the world of psychiatry, there's there's even more tests now. And this is new in recent years that people can have genetic testing to know which antidepressant is going to be most effective for them. And that's fantastic because it used to be that we would kind of do trial and error, and that could be really frustrating for people. And now people can make a more informed decision about what medication is going to work best. So I love that you are, are gathering that information and more and more of that is becoming available to us, which is fantastic. Yes. In your, in your opinion, how, when, and where should people seek support? So seeking professional support from a counselor or therapist, I really think it's something that we all need at different points in our lives. My favorite time to recommend therapy for people is in their early 20s, because it's when we're really figuring out who we are and we're becoming our own full adult self and separating from our families of origin. I think at other major milestones in life, if you're getting married, you're getting divorced, you're having kids, or perhaps you've had a job change. Life transitions are a great time to seek support, or if you notice you're just not feeling yourself. One of the blessings, I think, of the pandemic is that more people are having honest conversations about mental health. We've seen athletes like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka talk openly, Michael Phelps, and I hope more and more people are going to help get the help they need. I believe in wellness checkups. I think Many of us have EAP benefits through our employer where we can have free confidential counseling for assessment, brief treatment, and referral. So why wait? Absolutely. And, and you know, that leads me to this question because parents, parents, when you have a lot of kids nowadays in this generation, they stay living with their parents until they're 25. So if what is your recommendation to parents and how they talk to their kids, when I say kids, I'm talking about even in the 20s, you said that they need to start doing this. How do they go about saying that to them and and showing how important that is? Because that can be a touchy subject. 
It can be. I have some videos on my website about how to make a referral for counseling. I've done some TV segments and I've written some articles on that for the Huffington Post. And I think it's just important. First of all, modeling is one of the great, the best ways. If you have gone to a therapist or counselor, you're showing that that's normal. It's effective. It's appropriate. And you're, you're showing your kid that that's an important way to take care of yourself. When you make a referral to counseling, just to say like, hey, I'd just love for you to give this a try. I care about you. I love you. I may be noticing some, some changes in you. You just don't seem quite yourself. I definitely recommend not trying to diagnose somebody. You don't need to say, I think you're depressed or I think you have ADD, but just say, I love you. I care about you. I'm noticing some signs and symptoms of you know, some possible mental health stuff. And I'd love it if you'd get the support that you need and deserve. I'm happy to help make an appointment with you or even go for the first time. And just again, normalize it doesn't mean that you think that they're crazy or low functioning or anything like that. You're absolutely right that a lot of young adults are living at home now. And and that's scary for parents. I, I have 22 and 25 year old stepkids and and, you know, just that time of life, you want to make sure that they're launching successfully and it's taking a bit longer than it did for our generations. This is a question that I love asking our guests because everyone's got such a wide range of life experiences. And the question I have for you is if you could just give one piece of advice to members of our audience, what would that be? It would be to meditate, um, to practice mindfulness. Mindfulness transformed my life. So practices like meditation, deep breathing, and yoga, which is meditation with movement, help us either stop worrying about the future or ruminating about the past. And it helps us get rooted in the here and now so that we can be present and respond rather than react in our relationships. And mindfulness and practices improve both our mental health, physical health, financial health and relationship health in job performance. So I love apps like Calm and Headspace and other uh, mindfulness programs. Excellent. Well, Joyce, tell us about, we're running out of time here and we hate that because we'd love to talk to you for a lot longer, but tell us about that, um, that book, where to get it and how people can get in touch with you. So the book is called The Financial Mindset Fix. It's available on Amazon. It's hardcover. It's on audio, audible, audiobook as well. And you can find it at financialmindsetfix.com or my website, joycemarter.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today. We, we, we appreciate it. I mean, you, you're just awesome. I could listen to you all day long. Likewise, I had a lot of fun. Thanks so much. And for all of you tuning in, you can find this podcast and others again at esrshow.com. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Syntrax Nutrition. You can find all their healthy products at Syntrax.com. Thanks so much and have a great one. Mm -hmm.